I'm Danny Stover, and this is Today in TO, a podcast that takes a look at the biggest stories in the city and connects the dots on what's going on. On today's episode, my best friend and I gab about his latest project, which is a spin on a classic tale. What's that? We're not best friends because we've never actually hung out. Uh, yeah. Okay, that checks out. Well, then, you'll hear from Toronto Icon, Director X. He's got a new show based on an old story. Also, you'll get an update on the green belt that Premier Doug Ford is ironically protecting now, plus an update on the Japanese-Canadian centennial bell that was just removed from Ontario Place. That's all coming up on Today in TO. I'm so excited to share this with you. I, a white woman, had the pleasure, the opportunity, the thrill of interviewing Julian Christian Lutz, who you might know better as Director X. Wait, what? What do you mean I don't have to say white woman? But how would you know? You just know. Okay. Anyway, Director X is responsible for most of my favorite music videos of all friggin' time. You ready to hear a list? Rascals, Northern Touch, Ice Cubes, You Can Do It. Chalk Lair, Let's Ride, Cardinal Official's Old Time Killin', Oh Yeah by Foxy Brown and Spraga Benz, Yeah by Usher, Ludacris and Lil Jon, Destiny's Child, Bootylicious, Craig David, What's Your Flavor, Sean Paul's Get Busy, Wayne Wonder, No Letting Go, Khalees, Trick Me, Mario, Let Me Love You, Drake Started From The Bottom and Popstar, 112's Peaches and Cream, which to my understanding is about fruit. And so, so many more. Director X's latest project is an eight-episode, one-hour drama series called Robin Hood. And to put it simply, it's a modern look at the iconic legend about class wars featuring a heroic outlaw. Robin Hood, spelled R-O-B-Y-N, debuts Wednesday, September 27th at 10 p.m. on Global. You'll be able to stream it on Stack TV and on the Global TV app as well. You can't really spoil a 14th century tale that's been reimagined so many times. In fact, I think it was Mel Brooks' version, Robin Hood Men in Tights, where I learned what a chastity belt was. But I digress. And like I said off the top, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Director X to talk about a whole bunch of things. Storytelling, authenticity, criticism, Toronto, meditation, and his work to decrease violence in schools and on the streets. But first, I'd heard that one of the most important things for X in creating Robin Hood was staying true to source material, which is a big file. So I wanted to know, what was that process like? Not especially hard since my showrunner, my co-showrunner and I were both really big nerds, like, you know, Star Trek trivia level nerds. So um, we just think in that way. We wanted it to be very true, even though it's a modern retelling. How are we going to pay off, you know, Robin Hood and the Merry Men hide out in Sherwood Forest? Well, how are we going to, they can't live in a forest. It's modern day Robin Hood. What if they lived at the corner of Sherwood and Forest? 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. That works. Well, Prince John is like, well, I can't be a prince. It's modern day. We don't have, what about John Prince? And he's a billion. Okay. All right. You know what I mean? So all the way through, we're always thinking how we can take the essential parts of the legend and translate it to, um, to today. The, luckily the sheriff, we still have sheriffs. So the sheriff was an easy translation, but, uh, yeah, all the way through we, we thought like that. Do you think that that uh, kind of handcuffed you in some ways, trying to stay so true to the source material, or was it kind of fun to discover little ways that you could almost drop it in like Easter eggs? Yeah, I mean, it's fun, and it's also what we signed up to do. You know, I'm being a nerd. I hate when someone takes a property and say, we're rebooting it, we're retelling it, we're doing this thing with it, and then they just do another thing. I didn't come here for you. I came here for the thing I like. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to give me the thing I like, I'm not going to like the thing you th- <laughs> you think I'm, I'm out, right? So yep. people, although Robin Hood isn't like Halo or Batman, right? People, there are still people who enjoy this legend. We all grew up on it, yep. right? So for the people who are like, all right, let me check it out and see. Oh, okay, I see what I see what they did there. Okay, yep. I can, I can, you know, what I mean, I'm not asking you to rethink this thing, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, that's the. It's the life I chose. <laughs> well, in watching the first episode, I was, you know, you named some obvious ones, the Sherwood and Forest or the, you know, John Prince, Prince John. Um, but I even noticed the green, the fox mask and everything. So it is kind of fun watching it and being like, oh, I think that's, uh, it's like I said, it's almost like little Easter eggs. Yeah, Back definitely. to the Mercia stuff. And I was like, okay, wow. Yeah, that's, you like your history if you know what Mercia is. Um, <laughs> but that, but stuff like, you know, we, we were shooting in Hamilton and instead of, at first, it, oh, we'll shoot it in Toronto. It's this big city. And then, well, you're not getting Toronto. You're getting Hamilton. And, uh, well, all right. Well, you know, you can shoot here and there and make it look like Toronto. And I said, no, let's not do that. Let's embrace this. And we embraced it into the story itself. Well, what if they're from this small town? What if what if New Nottingham isn't a thriving metropolis? It's actually the place an hour or two away, depending on traffic. So everyone gets to talk about the big city. So Mercia became... London or Toronto or what that that thing that yeah. we are over here, right? Um, and it 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 gave a great uh, story tool, right? So now people, oh, he's off in Mercia. I'm going to Mercia. I want to move to Mercia. You yeah. think just because you're from Mercia, right? We could we could hit you with all all that stuff, and it made the world feel more lived in. Especially since the way that I like to do exposition is not. No one ever says, oh, by the way, there's no thing where we really explain, but you know, by the way they talk about Mercia. Oh, that's clearly a city. That's clearly the big city. There's clearly a place they, you know, you, you know what it is just in context. And, um, you know, it's stuff like that that we enjoy doing. And when embraced other writers, when you embrace the challenges and, and just don't say, well, I'm just going to break the rule, you get a better story out of it. And I like the idea that you're kind of meeting people where they're at. And I'm sure that was a part of this as well. Um, not over, not spoon feeding people because people know the story. Yeah. So you can kind of play a little bit of like, okay, you've got the base knowledge here, you've got the context we're looking for, um, and now I'm going to build out the world. And I did feel that the world, I love the term lived in because watching it, I was like, this is familiar. This is, um, I was thinking, I'm like, is this Toronto? Is this kind of a play on Toronto? But it also did feel a little, there was a bit of a magical element to it as well. So um, very fun show, very fun world. And I'm looking for, I've got scared. <laughs> I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. You're going to get ready, get ready for all the emotions. Yes. Um, yeah. And incredible acting too. It's funny. Um, 
it's dark, but uh, but still, yeah, I said there's this element of magic. If you were to do a show based on another historic tale, um, is there anything that comes to mind? Yasuke. Ooh, I'm unfamiliar. Yasuke is a black samurai in feudal Japan. He was a bodyguard to the number three Jesuit priest. Number three, this man could start wars. And when he went to Japan, he was trading cannons for Christianity. If you become a Christian, you get to have all these amazing weapons, right? And this is feudal Japan, like samurais, people are trying, and the the lead warlord at the time, his name was Oda Nobunaga. And Oda Nobunaga, the Jesuits called him the king of Japan. He was clearly on his way to conquering all Japan. And when Yasuke, he wasn't, Yasuke is the name they gave him. We don't know his actual name before they changed it. But when Yasuke showed up in uh, the capital, there was a riot. Like he was a like he was the Beatles. They literally chased him and the Jesuits into the church and were banging on the doors to see him, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Nobunaga said, "Let me see him." And they said he is the, as strong as ten men. And uh, they scrubbed his skin to see if it was dye. And he made him a weapon. He made him his weapons bearer, and made him a lord. Made him a samurai. The second you so uh, Oda Nobunaga is the first unifier of Japan. The second unifier of Japan was once Oda Nobunaga's sandal bearer. So, yeah, carrying around his weapon was not a little thing. And he was there. um, It's a great story. And just as Oda Oda Nobunaga was right on the verge of conquering Japan, one last clan to knock over, the Mori clan, uh, one of his generals betrayed him. And when when, uh, Nobunaga was at the temple, this general showed up with an army and attacked. And Yasuke was at his side to the very, very end. It was during Director X's telling of Yusuke that I could see producer Glenn Bergonier nodding along. So I wanted to know if Glenn had any follow-up questions. He's off mic, but the question is, was it one of those things that you read about thinking it was a myth? Or did you know that it had roots in history? I knew there was some, and I had definitely been given scripts through the years, but all the scripts, like we said, ignored the source material. Yeah. So it would be like, they liked the idea of a black samurai and then just disregarded the history there. And um, the actual story is incredible. It's incredible what happened. And that's the fight still. People thinking they know better than history, mm-hmm. thinking they, they can write better than real life, and they're absolutely horrible. You know what I'm saying? And then telling executives that their their script is insulting to black people and Japanese people is a not always the easiest thing to do. Not easy, but sometimes it has to be done. And I respect the hell out of Director X for saying that. I was also impressed that he had another project idea just ready to go when we were supposed to be talking about his current project, Robin Hood, which premieres Wednesday, September 27th on Global at 10 p.m. Now, next, I was curious if there had been any pushback or criticism to the show so far and how Director X responds to that. I mean, there's been a lot of criticisms. The the angry nerd community was very upset. A black woman, Robin Hood, this is going to be woke disaster oh it's gonna be horrible and like because again for some reason they decided that the nerds are the people that they want to go preach to like they're gonna come in and rewrite and show you nerds how to think bro we made sarah connor we made ripley we made you can't talk to us about female heroes we're the leading princess leia y'all should be we should be writing your shows (laughs) right so but they came in and just destroyed everything, ruined long-standing uh, properties that we loved because they thought it's 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 they've they've turned 
comic books and science fiction and to let your sister play with you. Um, you know what I'm saying? And th these people don't love this genre at all. They don't want to make science fiction. They don't want to make action. They want to make Oscar-winning films. And I'll help you losers make a film. And, <laughs> and I mean destroyed billion-dollar uh, properties. The, the, the damage they've done is unbelievable. So for the nerd community, when they see a black woman Robin Hood, all they think it's going to be filled with lines, you know, now we'll be, now we'll do it right now that a black woman's here. And, and as a white man, you can't like, and like you have lines like this in shows, yeah. you know, and we don't do that. Yep. We don't bring up race. We don't bring up gender. This is Robin Hood. This is rich versus poor. I made every point I wanted to make about um, black, all with all black cast. I don't yeah. need to now go tell you in the show. You see it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 10 p.m. after Survivor on Global, you're not expecting to see a bunch of black kids be Robin Hood. and But there we are. There it is. And I take my cues from the entertainment I grew up on. When I was growing up, there was no option. Yeah. Star Wars was a bunch of white people in space. Mm -hmm. And Luke Skywalker didn't have to say, as a white man in space, I yeah. believe that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Can you was, imagine? Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> Part of the privilege of it all is that white people never brought up the race. Yeah, exactly. They never brought up these things. They, yeah. And in that, in that, we the whole world went on the adventure. Yeah. Right. We we it, it is. We all said, "All right, it is what it is." And we're, all right, we're down. And no one was mad. We did it. We loved it. And I have that same thinking here. I don't need to now tell everyone about the blacky black of the black black. It's there in front of your face. There's all the black kids. But so let's have this fun. Let's have something lighthearted. Let's make something. Not every piece of black entertainment needs to be about the struggle and how hard it is and the way the system. And we don't need to do that all the damn time. Right. So we have just a fun show that anyone can watch. Yes, it's an all black cast. It just so happens to be an all black cast. But the story is bigger than race. It's it's class, which they don't want you to really know. Class. Class is the true unifier. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, pardon? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to go to, you're, you're like my Scorsese, honestly. You're responsible for so many of my favorite music oh, videos of all time. Uh, and I will include um, your recent Destination Toronto videos. I was moved oh, by them. They're thank beautiful. You. Thank um, you very much. What was that process like for you, kind of creating this almost love letter to Tor Toronto? It was great. I really loved it. Um, it was interesting being part of the creator. You know, the way commercials work normally is that you have an agency coming up with ideas and boards. So by the time they come to a director, they have they know what this is what we're making. How are you going to make this thing we want made? Yeah. And this time the agency said, hey, we have an idea. And, you know, what if we made a music video? And I'm like, that's a bad idea. Music videos is not it's just you can't you can't manufacture something like that. It's yeah. very hard to make just a good song, let alone a good song about Toronto, don't swear. So we said, what if we did a poem, which separated it from any kind of musical, because it was also just like, I don't like hip hop. I don't like country. I don't like, whatever it is you don't like, immediately for that segment, they're like, oh, ah, I don't like that music. And yeah. they've shut down. Yeah. So poetry opened up the door differently. The slogan being, um, you got to see what we see. Mm -hmm. So saying, oh, you got to see eyes, two eyes. What if we did two sides? Because Toronto has this great duality where, you know, we're actually a city where we live together. You go to a West Indian restaurant in Toronto at lunchtime and the lineup is completely multicultural. There is no way to, there's not like a bunch of People who like West Indian, you have no idea why they're in there. You can't penny any of this stuff. It's just, But they want a patty or they want a roti or they want some jerk chicken because we know this food. We know you go into a restaurant out here. It is 
actually multicultural. You're, it's not, you go to America, that's a Latino table, that's a white table, that's a black table, right? And then if there is a mixed table, it's probably a bunch of Canadians, right? Yeah. So <laughs> that, that is the thing we wanted to say about the city, that you, you can go and get your roti or you can go to Don Alfonso and have a Michelin star meal. You can, we, we have this duality. You can, you can be on a street level, you can be up in the clouds and it all works together. Who would you love to work with? I love to work with. Um, if I had a time machine, I want like Madonna and like, you know what I'm saying? She's that, still alive. That, I know, but that, that era, that era of Madonna, the, yeah. like the MTV Madonna would be interesting. That whole era, that, that whole era with those artists and those music videos, the, that, that Janet Jackson time, the Lenny Kravitzes, right? That was yeah. just a really, when, when music videos were a real part of culture, when you could turn on your TV and see it, I think, uh, that might be interesting. X could direct a cardboard box being broken down and I would watch it and probably love it. Also, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. This is not the first time I've interviewed Director X. It is the first time in person, but the last time was back in 2020. X was working with Operation Prefrontal Cortex, which is a program that promotes the power of mindfulness and meditation to help reduce incidents of gun, mass, and police violence in Toronto. So I wanted to know how that had been going. It's actually really great. We we shot a short documentary called Quiet Minds, Silent Streets. Uh, we did it with Headspace about a class of kids in Malton that started meditating after the violence got very extreme. You know, they had a mass shooting, 144 shell cases found. Um, Jonathan Davies was m killed at that. He's just a young man waiting to go home. Had nothing to do with anything except being at the wrong place at the wrong time. And it really rocked those students. And the teacher showed them my TED talk, message to the man who shot me, said, let's try meditating, maybe this will help. And it really transformed those kids. And now that documentary has been in film festivals all around. That's opening doors. I just showed it to a bunch of principals here at the TDSB to get into that, to open that conversation, open those possibilities, have people say, oh, meditation might help with our violence. Meditation might help with these things that we have going on. So. It's great getting getting these conversations going, opening minds and and seeing those results. Well, and I saw you wanted to bring it to the school boards, to law enforcement. What's the big pushback? Like what what yeah, what do people have against there's, trying it? There's, there's bureaucracy, especially when you start getting into big institutions. Things take time. Once they see it, it's like, oh, okay. And then you have to hope that they have the willpower to follow through and, and, and see it. Um I mean it's just it's, the, these bureaucracies are very large, and some of them make sense. Look, the, the TDSB, they say, "Well, I need the the big boss needs to see it." Okay, you can show you can show these principles, but um, when we need someone in there in case they get triggered, principals are seeing very violent things in their schools. There's, there's, it's not an easy conversation, and trying to make trying to be safe with everyone takes time. And you know, these are all slow steps, which is fine. I'll take the slow steps versus no steps if that's what it takes. If we have to be a glacier. I'll be a glacier, but a glacier, you know, an iceberg is what took down the Titanic. These big, slow-moving things can do uh, big things. Yeah. So it's less of a, like a personal individual block and more so a systemic block. Yeah. That's preventing this from Exactly. It's all, it all takes time. It, it is what it is. Which is almost a metaphor for meditation in a way. Exactly. <laughs> What's blocking you and can we observe it and move it out? Once again, Robin Hood debuts Wednesday, September 27th at 10, right after Survivor. You can also stream Robin Hood on Stack TV or on the global TV app. 
let me know what you think. And I want to thank Director X for taking the time to chat. Uh, This was on the heels of the Legacy Awards, where he was honored with the Trailblazer Award. On the way, the Greenbelt update of all updates. Premier Doug Ford is sorry and will not touch the Greenbelt. For real this time. Hmm. You buying it? That's next. Have you heard the news? Well, you're gonna. Last week, Premier Doug Ford had to shuffle his caucus yet again after two more ministers resigned for very different reasons. Labor Minister Monty McNaughton announced he would be stepping away, making him the third minister and the fifth person on the PC's payroll to resign. Awkward timing, but he's not leaving because he lied about getting a massage in Vegas, allegedly. Apparently, It's to take a job in the private sector, and I can't say I blame him. But what's this about a massage in Vegas? Well, this all goes back to a trip in 2020 and conflicting information that was told to the integrity commissioner when investigating the process of selling off parcels of protected Greenbelt land. Now former MPP Khalid Rashid, former principal secretary to Premier Doug Ford, Amin Masoudi, and a Greenbelt developer, Shakir Ramatula, all walk into the Wynn Hotel. Now, the story was they just happened to run into each other in the lobby. How random is that? But hotel records and receipts show a different chance meeting where they treated themselves to fancy massages together, which is much, much different. And I really don't care who's doing what, where, when it's personal, but it just seems like every string pulled led to some sort of lie or misinterpretation of the truth or strange cover-up. So this all goes down, and then something interesting happened. Premier Doug Ford walked it back. I made a promise to you that I wouldn't touch the green belt. I broke that promise. And for that, I'm very, very sorry. It was a mistake to open the green belt. It was a mistake to establish a process that moved too fast. This process, it left too much room for some people to benefit over others. It caused people to question our motives. As a first step to earn back your trust, I'll be reversing the changes we made and won't make any changes to the green belt in the future. Wow, truly stunning. But fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And you've said that you wouldn't touch the green belt before, back in 2018. And it's part of the reason you're finding yourself in this mess today. Now, I've heard some criticism that saying he won't make any changes to the green belt is painting himself into a corner, especially since there is currently a review being done. But I gotta be honest, I don't think Ford really cares. I think Premier Doug Ford says things just to say them. And the real interesting thing I heard last week that I think could come back to bite him is this exchange with Global's Queens Park Bureau Chief Colin DeMello. And it starts with talk about the stag and doe and Ford's daughter's wedding. 
Now, Ford has since been cleared on all of that, but Colin asks a very fair question, and it's the answer that I think is the next big mistake. How should Ontarians trust you when you are hosting developers in your backyard? Those developers pay money to have access to you and your backyard, and the money goes to your family. This is developers to the party, to your family. Well, is that I, I not corruption? Well, for, first of all, Colin, th- thank you for that uh, that question. Uh, I've never taken a penny from absolutely anyone. I've never even expensed a hamburger, a chocolate bar, nothing ever. I pay out of my own pocket. You know, and as for if people want to talk to me, they can show up to Ford Fest, that thousands of people uh, do. But no one, no one can influence me. Simple as that. I can't wait for someone to submit a Freedom of Information request into the Premier's expenses because, again, in my opinion, there's no way he hasn't taken a penny. Prove me wrong. Next up, we got to get Ford to start protecting the natural wonders of Ontario Place. And speaking of which, the Japanese-Canadian Centennial Temple Bell was just removed from the premises. With more on that, here is producer Glenn Bergonier. For all those who listen to the podcast, you'll know that this is not the first time we've talked about the architecture or designs from the late Raymond Moriyama, who passed away on September 1st of 2023 at the age of 93. And this is not even the first time we've talked about his famed Centennial Bell, which is now housed at Ontario Place. But we thought it'd be important to touch back on it now that the redevelopment project at Ontario Place has started, the bell has been moved, and there are some worries that it could be gone for good. But take a deep breath, because I'm here to release you of all those fears. Yes, it has been moved from the redevelopment, but will be brought back after the construction of the contentious Therme Spa. The bell was originally cast in 1977 with the funds and support of over 17,000 Japanese Canadians and is meant to commemorate the centennial of Japanese settlements in Canada. Moriyama, who had recently achieved international acclaim at this time for his design of the Ontario Science Centre, also designed the Centennial Bell shortly after. The bell was originally gifted to the provincial government back in 1977 and it was agreed to be housed in Ontario Place so every Ontarian regardless of who they are, we'd be able to freely visit, admire, and even hear the bell's deep, clear, resonating sound. Initially, there was massive backlash from communities that believed this bell was going to be permanently removed or destroyed. But, luckily, the bell is only being moved while the redevelopment of Ontario Place is underway, and after which it will be placed in its new permanent location within the grounds. But there are some things that people still are unsure about and are worried, such as when will we see this bell get put back? And if it's not going to be in its original location, where are we putting it? Sadly, the province has been less than clear on these points and says that the temporary fence around the bell will only remain erected until October 31st. But many are skeptical about this. So as of now, the bell may be out of sight, but is far from out of mind and will keep the long-standing accomplishments and genius of Raymond Moriyama alive and well in Toronto. You know, speaking of bells, I was trying to figure out the reason why I have such a hard time getting my doorbell to work. I just can't put my finger on it. Yeah, get it? That's a joke. 
I don't have a doorbell. This podcast is brought to you by 640 Toronto and features audio from shows across the Chorus Entertainment Network. My name's Danny Stover. Today in TO is produced by me, Glenn Bergonier, and David Spargala. Special thanks to Santiago Bedoya for helping us out. Chris Dunner and Andrew Dernford are advisors to the show. Don't forget to tune into Robin Hood on Global Stack TV or on the Global TV app. And be sure to join me again next week for a brand spanking new episode. Till then, have a great week and we'll chat soon. Bye for now. <laughs>